Hi, my name is Brenda, and I'll do this scripture reading for today. Um, today's passage comes from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brenda. Uh-oh, I'm stuck. the uh, technical difficulties related to COVID. Okay, here we go. All right. Well, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Um, I'm sure you've heard of that on the news and if you've turned on the TV or whatever you've been listening to, uh, that will come up. And I was thinking back myself uh, it was a significant time for May and I, my wife, um, as we were in California, Southern California, and we had just the Sunday before, so that happened on a Tuesday. That Sunday before was my last Sunday at the church I was serving at there, <clears throat> and we were literally packing up to come to New Jersey to serve in a church here in New Jersey, Marlboro. And uh, I, we always wake up to the news, so around 6.30, the news came on, so that was 9.30, uh, here, and it was all over the news, so that, and we just sat in front of the TV for the whole day, didn't get any packing done that day, but uh, I remember hearing one story recently of a fireman who had remembered that day because he had lost his brother, who is also a fireman in New York City, uh, in the collapse of the towers, and he was still frustrated by the la that loss uh, because it was unnecessary, he felt, because his brother had gone into one tower because they had gotten separated, you know, getting people evacuated, and uh, his brother had gone up into one tower trying to find him and also to evacuate other people. But the engineers at that point knew that the towers were at risk of collapsing. So they had told as many people as they could, but they couldn't reach the firemen on the radios that were in the towers because the radios were just, they never really worked well in the high-rises. And so then the buildings collapsed and so many firemen were killed. And as I, I bring this story up today because communication and the lack of it uh, causes all kinds of problems and we saw, saw that and it cost lives on 9-11 those 20 years ago. But for us, 
We can look at it on a, every scale. Communication issues are the cause of so many of our problems today. Uh, think of in relationships, like between husband and wife, between friends, on almost every social level. Communication and the lack of it um, or the unwillingness to communicate is, is a cause of so many issues today. And then you can bring it into the bigger areas of like with our coworkers, our bosses at work or uh, teachers at school or the government agencies. You know, we always see how the, you know, the FBI doesn't communicate with the CIA or whatever. There's all these turf wars. Uh, then between countries in our world, there's the lack of communication. And, and a lot of times it could be language, but also it's, it's pride issues as well uh, in countries. And Genesis 11, as we just heard read, explains that God is the originator of the different languages that we have on the planet. And he may not have originated every single one, but uh, he is the originator of the, origi the initial split of the languages that then have developed over the years from those. And you can't really, uh, if you know a language, you can know, uh, begin to know somebody's culture, a different culture, because language and culture are tied together. You really can't separate them from one another. And to really learn and understand the people's culture one needs to understand that people's language. It's really, you can't truly understand that culture without knowing the language. And knowing the language opens the door and to begin to learn and understand a people much more intimately than just reading about it in a book. Uh, language can both unite people and divide people. And even when speaking the same language, for example, uh, of English, there's a lot of different versions of English that, you know, there's different idioms and different slang and different meanings for words. Uh, for example, uh, my roommate in seminary was from New Zealand, and New Zealand speaks English. But we made fun of him a lot of times, and we miscommunicated a lot on funny things, like different meanings for words, like flat means apartment in their language, uh, in their English. And uh, tramping means hiking. Right? Uh, we don't use that in here. Um, the bathroom is just toilet, right? Well, that, that we can usually figure out, you know. <laughs> but uh, we, it caused some funny misunderstandings in our, our time together uh, in seminary. And then learning another language increases our understanding of a culture uh, in a much more intimate way. And for example, I, when I married May, my wife, who's from Taiwan, she speaks both Taiwanese and Mandarin. And as I began to try to learn Mandarin, I, I began to understand some things that I had observed about the first-generation Chinese immigrants. Because I always, under, I always observed, and I don't know if you've observed this, but they sometimes have a hard time getting, they get he and she mixed up, you know? And you're trying to figure out, like, oh, is it a guy you're talking about or a girl, you know? And, um, and I, as I learned Mandarin, it's because the he and she pronouns in Mandarin are pronounced exactly the same. <laughs> so that's why they're just translating and they're, they're getting a little mixed up. So I understood that. And then I remembered something specific at the very beginning of our marriage um, that May would say large numbers in a very different way. So like the number 50,000, she wouldn't say 50,000, she would say five ten thousands. And I would always be like, why do you say five ten thousands, you know? 
But as I learned Mandarin, the word for, well, large numbers are stated in multiples of 10,000 because there's the word one, who, which means 10,000. And so you just add how many multiples of 10,000 there are. So like 50,000 is five ten thousands or one, right? So once you learn this, you're like, oh, okay. So maybe it was just literally translating from the way she said it in Mandarin. And it really helped me begin to understand my wife a little bit more and Mandarin and Mandarin speaking culture as well. Today, it's estimated that over 7,000 different spoken languages exist on this planet. 7,000, and these are not primitive languages. These are ones that have syntax and complex structure. And some languages are related to each other where they can see that they had a common origin and kind of broke off. But a, it, a lot of languages are completely different from each other. And there's no common origin that they can see how these languages could have come from a single language. And the origin of different languages of the world poses a really interesting question for many scientists that are into this linguistic uh, research. People who speak more than one language are invaluable in today's culture, especially in our culture in America, because we have quite a few languages that are spoken, to bridge the gap between different cultures. Uh, because um, many in the immigrants in the United States, for example, will learn English, but then they also speak their native language of wherever they're from, and then a lot of immigrants speak more than one other language uh, when they come. And so, like, when we have our combined services as a, um, a church, we have two other congregations, a Mandarin congregation, a Cantonese congregation, and English. When we combine, which we haven't done because of COVID, but when we did, and will do, <laughs> hopefully in the near future, uh, we need translation, we need interpretation because to represent all the languages well together. So those people that can speak both languages can interpret. Well, not even all those people. They, they have to have the special ability to do it on the spot. And they are very valuable. So we have Mandarin, English, and Cantonese. So when we have combined services, if you've been apart, we have the Mandarin and English on stage usually. And then there's a Cantonese that's available on a headset. So we have all this interpretation happening so that everything can be understood and we can be together on the same page. Then you look at the second generation of immigrants, Chinese immigrants, we could say, or Korean immigrants, or whatever immigrant there is into this country. Often the second generation, which many of you are here, uh, feel this inner tension as you live in this country because you are, in a sense, bicultural, because you live in and you experience one culture and language at home often, and then you, outside the home, you've, you're operating in English in another culture. And that's your whole life if you've been born here. And so you become ad adapted to that, and you are the natural bridge between cultures. Because you, that's just your, that's what your experience is. And it's a very unique experience that second generation immigrants of immigrants have. Um, it's almost like you guys are often referred to or sometimes referred to as the in-between generation of, of uh, immigrants. And the story of the Tower of Babel is important for us because, again, as we go through Genesis, it reveals to us God's heart for his people of the earth, his creation, that he desires for us who live on earth to love and trust him and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
This is, this is what command he gave to Adam and Eve we saw in the beginning of the creation. And the same command that he gave to Noah, which Paul mentioned last week uh, as he talked about the flood, is that, that they are to fill the earth, to multiply and fill the earth. But we see that people in our story did not want to obey God. They did not want to do this. And so God had to intervene and confuse their language to disperse them throughout the earth. What led God to take action to confuse their language? Why did he feel the need to do that? Well, it was the same thing that led Adam and Eve to their downfall in the beginning was their pride. Their pride in themselves rather than pride in the Lord God, their creator. Uh, thinking that they could be like God. If you remember the temptation to Eve, it was like, you could be like God, knowing good and evil. And, and so people think that they are more than they really are. I can be like God. Well, really, they can't be like God. We, and we continue to battle with this same sinful pride attitude every day of our lives. It's like this young woman, uh, the story of this young woman who contacted her pastor and uh, because she had this uh, annoying sin that she just was afflicted with and she wanted to talk to the pastor about it. So the pastor and her get together and she says, Pastor, I, I have this sin. I just, I, I can't help but I just keep dealing with this. And he says, well, what, what is it? And she says, I, I go to the church gathering every Sunday and I look at all the, women of the other women of the church and I realize that I am the prettiest one here. I am the most beautiful well more than any of the other women. And the pastor just says, oh, that's, that's not a sin issue. That's just a big mistake. <laughs> See, pride is having an excessively large opinion about ourselves. Right? We think we are much more than we really are. We don't, know, we don't see the re real self uh, in, from God's eyes. And we see the people's pride stated in Genesis 11.4. Thank you. I, they're, they're clicking it for me. I forgot to click that one. That's good. But the next slide is up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, they got my back up there. That's good. Uh, and then 11.4 says, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, let, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. See, they thought of themselves as more important than they really were in God's eyes. And, and they chose to disregard God's command to fill the earth. They said, no, we're not going to do that. So you see, the truth is that pride leads to us to disregard God's word. That's, that's the ultimate end of our pride, our desire to be the ruler of our own lives and make our own decisions. So why did they build a tower? The tower and the city. Well, they... Some, some scholars think that they were like thinking, you know, there was this flood, covered the whole earth, everybody died, so maybe we should build a tower as tall as we could so that if it happens again, you know, we'll be safe. <laughs> like some people are probably thinking now in Somerville, right, and the houses are flooded, we better build them up on stilts, you know, in case that happens again, right? Um, that doesn't really make sense. Other scholars say, no, that's probably not right because if you're going to build something that tall to 
prevent from flood, right? You wouldn't build it on a plain. You'd go and find a mountain and then build it on that, right? So that's probably not the reason. But we observe three things that do point to their pride uh, in building this city and tower. And the first thing is that the tower is designed really as an insult to God because of the, what they said, right? For they intended to build a tower with its top in the heavens, right? They're implying here like they would be like the most high or maybe they thought that they could be at the same level as God by building this tower at the top of the heavens. Uh, and they forgot their place. In a sense, they, res- they resolved that they could climb up to being like God by their own efforts. And the second thing is that they hoped to make a name for themselves. That's what they said. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They would do something that could be talked about at that time and on into the future, a reputation that would make them look good something that they could achieve. And the third thing we see here is that they did it to prevent their dispersal of the whole earth, over the whole earth. And you see, God had had ordered them to fill the earth, to disperse. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We like it right here. We're going to build a city, stay together, and build this tower. And uh, in summary, so they thought they could be on the same level as God, make a name for themselves, and disregard God's command to fill the earth. This is their pride, their sinful pride showing up here. But look at how God responded to this in verses 5 and 6. This is some pictures of the, the tower here called the ziggurat. Yeah, thanks. It says there in verses 5 and 6, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They have all one language, and this is the only, be- only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. It's ironic here, isn't it? That it states that even though they tried to build this tower up to the heavens, that what did God have to do? <laughs> he had to come down, right? He had to come down to see them. It's, it's the narrator's, like kind of slam on them in that sense. God had to come down to see the city and tower that these people were building. Um, Obviously, they weren't even close to where God was. And here God's statement does not mean like together that these people will be unstoppable if I don't do anything. They're going to be too powerful. No, what what it means is that if these people continue on in this prideful sin, sinful pride mindset, and all being together like this, then the grander, the, the, the bigger and bigger sinfulness that they will accomplish together. And, and in a sense, this is just occurring only about, we guess, around 100 years after the flood that had just happened. God had just destroyed the whole world out of judgment for the world's sin. And he's now seeing just in this short time that mankind is going in that same direction so quickly. And so he, he prevents it by confusing their language which then ends up dispersing them over the earth. So it's achieving what he had already commanded them to do. See, language is a major factor in uniting people together. And Chinese history has this as well. If you look at the first emperor of the Qin dynasty, this emperor was amazing in the sense that he he conquered 
much of China or all, all of China, but he united that, what he conquered, by developing somehow a written common language for all the dialects of that time in China. So they could communicate with each other by writing. You may not be able to talk to each other, understand, but you could write, I could write, uh, yeah, I need 10 bricks of this kind of material, whatever, and I give it to whoever, and they could read it and understand it, even though totally different languages. Amazing. And it united his empire, at least during his time, <laughs> when there was all kinds of problems after that. And the truth of the story of the Tower of Babel here that we've just looked at it continues today with us that pride leads us to disregard God's word. Let's ask each of ourselves, is my pride, my desire for self-rule leading me in any way to disregard the word of God? In some way, in any way. We could take, for example, Jesus' command that he gave right at the end of his life, what we call the Great Commission, right? And to make disciples of all nations as we go about our everyday lives. Are we intentionally trying to make disciples of Jesus? If we claim to be a follower of Jesus, do, are we trying, even attempting to do this? Is it in our mindset when we wake up that today is another day to just go out there and try to make disciples of Jesus? And if we're not doing that, it's not in our mindset, then why not? Why isn't it? Well, why are we disregarding this command of our Lord? Or why do we disregard any of God's commands? Well, it's usually because we think we know better than God on how to rule our lives, and we think we know better than Him. So that's basically the answer. Why? Just like the, these people of Babel. The Tower of Babel. God told them to do this, and they thought, no, <laughs> we want to do this instead because we think this is going to be better for us. We'll make a name for ourselves. And things like we could say in our culture, very rampant, sex before marriage, lying, cheating, abusive behavior. Uh, we've seen with uh, New York's governor, right? Um, temper explosions or the pursuit of just, this is very common, right? Success and security to be independent without any need. The American dream, right? That, that in of, of them, this and out of itself is not wrong to seek to provide for our families, but if we're doing it simply to be independent, then we're thinking independent of God, then it's like the Tower of Babel. And all these signs that I just mentioned are just pride leading us to disregard God's word. The Tower of Babel was the result of a whole community's pride, sinful pride. And so God dispersed them by confusing their language. And this is the ultimate destination of sinful pride. It's isolation. It's division from God and from the people in our lives. Pride divides people. Our pride divides us from the Lord God, thinking that we, like Him, are in control, or we think we are equal to Him in control of everything in our lives. And when you and, you and I, or we as a group, think uh, that we're more important than any other group, then we are divided from them. So, you know, if Chinese think like they're the, the best race on this planet, naturally it's going to cause some divisions just like we saw in the World War II times where the German 
uh, at least some of the Germans, thought that they were the master race. It caused a lot of problems in the world. Pride leads us to either of two extremes, and we're all familiar with these, but uh, let me just state them out. One extreme is thinking way too highly of ourselves, which we call arrogance, right? Maybe we've met some people like that. But the other extreme is thinking way too lowly of ourselves. See, these two extremes, and pride is the root of that, is that we're just thinking way too much about ourselves. <laughs> and it either can end up in those two extremes. See, God's plan for us remains the same. He still commands you and me to fill the earth with his kingdom now. He wants us to spread his glory, the knowledge of his glory throughout the earth to others. And that's what I mentioned before when Jesus said in those words at the end of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And the way that you and I are to do this is in the everyday step of our life. But there's a lot of barriers to us to do this. And some of those barriers are culture, language and uh, even difference ex of experiences within the same culture and language. Um, but we can start to do this in our everyday lives, right here in Somerset, New Jersey, or wherever you guys are from. I mean, we have, we have uh, a, a lot to learn from others. And it takes humility for us to learn and to talk to somebody who's quite different than we are. Doesn't it? Because we, do, we just don't know much about them. So we need to put on a learner's hat. It takes humility to have this attitude of a learner when you approach somebody who's quite different than we are. And, and Philippians gives us some guidance on that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So we of Cornerstone can overcome the barriers in this society, in our communities, by dealing with these barriers actually first and foremost in our own hearts, where our sinful pride divides us, prevents us from wanting to connect with people who are different from us or even similar to us, but for some reason we don't want to connect with them. And that means to learn what are their interests or what are their hopes and dreams or what are their struggles where we can then help them maybe or, or guide them to, to help and point them to Jesus for the ultimate help? Because everything on this earth is just temporary. But Jesus is the hope that they can have and know and realize and then have hope for the future. Now, this may even require us to learn their language if they are from a completely different culture. The Lord wants us to multiply and make disciples to fill the earth. But how does our pride, our sinful pride, keep us segregated in our own groups and not even thinking and considering how to make disciples with those who are different from us that are right in our own lives? They may live next to us. They may be in our classrooms with us. They may be people we work with could be living right in our neighborhoods. How... How do we decide to connect and try to connect in the name of Christ with these people? We see how the Holy Spirit did this 
and enabled the disciples of Jesus, those early disciples in the day of Pentecost. You remember that story? When they were in the upper room and then the Holy Spirit fell on them and then they all began to speak many different languages, even though they were all from the same area, Galilean, uh, in that Palestine area. And the people were amazed in Jerusalem because there were so many people from all over the Mediterranean basin who spoke different languages and they heard their own language being spoken by these locals. And they were amazed, but it brought them together. It was able to communicate the gospel of Jesus and it broke that barrier of language. It's like the opposite event of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. God can break those barriers if we just depend on him. I mean, just in our congregation, we have a pretty diverse group of people. I mean, here, present, and also online. I was just thinking through it. We have people in our congregation born in Canada, in China, in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, in the Philippines, in Indonesia, in Korea, and of course, the United States. Did I miss anybody? Uh, I can't hear you online. <laughs> Yeah, that's just, that's just our small congregation. And we have so many diverse origins and backgrounds. But, you know, my hope and prayer for our congregation is to connect with people that are quite different from us and obviously similar to us too. We don't neglect those. Those are the easy ones <laughs> or easier. Yeah, but all of us being connected together through this common language of English, we're the English-speaking congregation, that's a beginning start, but then we need to still learn their stories, their backgrounds, and their unique life stories to connect with them and point them to Jesus. And that just takes time. And it takes humility on our part in the name of Christ. And this is what God calls us to do. This is why your heart is beating today. Because God calls you and me to make disciples for him. That's the only reason to live. If you're a follower of Jesus... That's what it's all about. It's not to make money or progress in your career, though those things are okay to happen, but that's not our primary purpose. So who are you intentionally trying to point to Jesus today or this week? Have you thought about that? Are you trying to point people to Jesus? And if you're not, then ask yourself, what's holding me back? Is it fear? Because then we're thinking, either too lowly of ourselves or too lowly of God and what he can do through us. Whatever it may be, it's all focused and tied up into this sinful pride. Yeah, so don't let our pride lead us to disregard God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, this message we hear so many times in different ways in your word and the reason being is because this is at the, the root of your heart for your people, for you love, you love your creation. And that includes every single person alive today. It's amazing to us, Lord, that you love those who have rejected you and continue to do so. And yet you came and Lord Jesus, and died on our behalf knowing that many people would still reject you. And yet out of your love and your grace, you've provided a way for us to be saved from being enslaved to our sinfulness, 
our sinful pride. And even now that we have been redeemed by faith in you, you, you continue to show grace to us because we continue to fall to sin as your followers. And yet the, what you achieved covers everything that we can do. And Lord, we just are so grateful for that. And we pray that this amazing truth can be shared in ways that others can understand or at least have the opportunity to understand those in our lives, those the people that we love in our families, and those that we don't even know really that we just meet. But Lord, give us opportunities, we pray, to share this wonderful message with people. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.